Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry. Only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands. All hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hello and welcome to Footballistically Arsenal. Um... I mean, I'm Boyd Hilton. Josh is there. Psych- Boyd? Yeah. How do you feel about recording after games at the moment? Uh, because we, it's a different kind of podcast, isn't it? We are, what, 10 minutes after the full-time whistle at Molyneux. Yeah, I was quite enjoying it until now. Um, because us doing podcasts after the game was, you know, had become a thing which was quite enjoyable when we were doing... Well, until now, this is, we're joined by Tim Payton. Hi, Tim. Hello there. We're stealing, you know, we're literally stealing the income from Rio Ferdinand. Yeah, I know. A few more weeks of us and no one will be listening to them. I know. Um, and, and Peter Walton, the so the refereeing expert, to, to beat all refereeing experts. I, I, I'm just going to start by saying, at 47 and a half minutes into the first half, of two minutes, by the way, added time, Things were looking fine, you know. More than fine. Against Wolves, more than fine. One of our best halves of football, free-flowing, attacking football. We should have been up 3-4-0. I mean, Bakayo Saka had like three chances in the first 15 minutes, um, including one in the first like minute or so, whatever it was. I mean, I, I have to say, Tim, this feels like one of the most... Even through that miserable period when we were playing all terribly, this feels like one of the most depressing nights of the season, if not oh, the most. Boy, because, let me, one more thing. Not only were we half a minute away from easily winning that game, I think, without any sendings off, let alone two, the injustice of one of those sendings off, and we're now back down to 10th right now. We would have been 6th above Spurs, and we're back down to 10th, and most of the teams in that mid- congested mid-table area have games in hand on us, sometimes two or three games in hand on us, and we're playing one of the Aston Villa at the weekend. I mean, we could be 12th or 13th in about a week's time, Tim, and we could have been 6th tonight and flying and keeping the momentum of what, what we've done so well recently in our recent run. I am fucking 
miserable about this one. Oh, can boy, you give me any, Tim, can you give me any positive to take away from it? Yes, I can. In that the first 44 minutes show you what Arsenal can do and is actually much more of a reflection of the last few games. And as long as Arsenal continue at the standard they've been finding the last few games and they found there, they will not have any problems reaching that seventh place. Which, let's be realistic, seventh place is the target. And I think that last time I came on this um, podcast, you were you were terribly worried about relegation. And I remember saying, oh, <laughs> I I remember saying hostage to fortune slightly, I said, look, I still <laughs> believe this team is far more likely to be fighting for seventh than it is getting relegated, partly because I think you're only going to need about 50 to 55 points for seventh. But, you know... And actually, I didn't think it would be this good. But let, let's take some positives. That was a much, much better Arsenal performance. It was characterised, yes, some arguably bad luck, but it had some of the traditional Arsenal failings in it. You do not switch off because you think the referee is going to blow the whistle because the ball is in the air mm, and it's yeah. touch and go by five seconds. And that's what they did. You do not switch off there. And it is very poor... By by Louise, you know, the you know it's unfortunate that the that the laws of the game catch us like that, but they are correct. The double jeopardy is a good law in that it means that if you go for the ball and commit the foul, you don't get sent off. But it's kind of got this grey area, which is if you don't go for the ball, which is meant to be for the professional tackle, and that kind of didn't look professional. It just looked fucking stupid and clumsy. You make sure you do not clip him inside the box mm. if that's what's going to happen you get out of his way rather than kind of doing the not sure mm. um that that is what you do but come on how look at that first 45 minutes i know i know but... if they play like that let's be let's be positive about the last six seven games and the first 45 minutes arsenal are on the way back Okay, yeah. Just in the general point, yeah, you're right. I mean, we are on the way back. That first forty minutes was 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 fantastic. And but I, I, what worries me is the the pure statistical worry of like, even though we're doing playing really well, we still we've played more games than most of the teams around us, and that loss tonight takes away the momentum and factually. Um, our position in the league and I think I mean I think and I think a lot of our players are very fragile still mentally I mean but not the young ones I'm talking about the old ones you know and that's what I worry about but yeah you know on on the foul Josh on the on the sending off I think I I agree with Tim like when I in real time watching it I I, I agree with Tim and and Peter Walton etc but my my question is actually with that there was someone tweeted that you know we got straight red for this thing taking it down to very slow motion and when you look at that he, he, Louise, to be fair to him, he's just running back, really. He's yeah. not even challenging for the ball, is he? Yeah. I actually think what happens is that their player kind of acci- almost gets contact accidentally just because his leg's up and, and there is contact. But completely, Louise isn't even, even vaguely going for either the ball or the man. He's just running back. And it doesn't matter, Boyd. Well, one of I the, think it one does. Of the great, mm. One of the great myths of the law book is this I know, idea intent. of accident or intent, and they're I not know. there. Although it is true that custom and practice is an awful lot of refereeing decisions so imply that it is. There. Yeah, I, you, I could see a scenario where he doesn't get sent off though by another oh, referee. Yes. That's yes. what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. And if yeah. He, if a referee had chosen to deem that as a yellow, 
I don't think there would have been endless replays saying you should have made it a red. Right, exactly. Exactly. We'd have just almost said, yeah, yeah, that's the correct decision. Yeah. As it is, if you strictly read the black and white of the law, then yeah. the referee got it correct. But I agree sure. with you that no one would have raised an eyebrow and probably the, the expected decision would have been a yellow card. I have yeah, just thought of something to be a bit more depressed about. Oh, God. I need to check. Well, I assume that means that Leno doesn't play in the next game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is yeah. Aston Villa away, yeah, which yeah. I do think is an early cup final for seventh place yeah. against Aston Villa. And if the, if the guy from Brighton is injured, does that mean the kid that won the competition gets to play in goal again? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, it's a massive worry. Um, we, at least he, he came on and uh, made a half-decent save, didn't he, Renarsson? And you have to say, you know, it's, it's a different feeling tonight. We've, we've had many a podcast post-Arsenal defeats, but in some ways tonight, I'll, I'll find it one of the most frustrating, but one of the easiest to take, because we were brilliant, actually, in that first half. We were as good as we've been in a, in a long time, and it was as enjoyable half of football as we, as we had to go. And I agree, David Luiz, I think has got enough awareness not to deliberately trip him. At that point, if you let him go through and they equalise 11-11, you still back us. The way we've played in that first half, you'd still back us. And the goal they've scored in the second half is a worldie. And there isn't a lot you can do about it. And then when we are down to nine men, which is, you know, a crazy, you know, a, a crazy chance of us hanging, you know, managing to get back into the game. We did dig in and you're thinking, can we just create one chance? Can, can we get one moment? And actually we had a couple where we got the ball into the box and, you know, created something. So it feels incredibly frustrating, but I'd rather feel like this than I did about some of the, you know, awful performances that we had oh, earlier yeah. in the season and the, sure. you know, the way we were just sort of, you know, barely in games and, and not having shots. And I don't know. I think we, we can move on. And it's just how, how we react. Tim, do you know exactly what the suspensions are then for Louise am, and uh, Leno? Well, I, I was just trying to look it up, but I am pretty sure they are both one game bans. Yeah, I think so. I think that's because right, it's yeah. violent conduct that gives yeah. you the three games. Yeah. And the, if you like, the technical foul gives you one game. So I wouldn't swear on it, but I'm 95% in both of them. It's a one game ban. Yeah, I think yeah, you're right. I've seen and some different uh, opinions on, on Twitter. So, yeah, we'll, we'll, I'm sure we'll, we'll, we'll see that shortly. And, um, yeah, I mean, Matt Ryan, I mean, it's so Arsenal, isn't it, to have a player come in and within a, you know, a week not, not actually be available. Um, and then be needed. But I mean, I, I don't think even what happened to Leno is is one a season. I think it's a, it's like one a season in the whole Premier League. Never mind. It's just such a freak error of a goalkeeper slightly losing his uh, his sense of place on the pitch. And also, I think the ball must spin slightly as it comes off the ground. And then, you know, maybe you're also just thinking it's Traore, so you're a bit more scared because there's such a perception about how quick and, you know, how quick he is. And he's probably the last person you'd want to have to run onto a ball that may or may not go out of play. So, so yeah, it's a freak yeah, set he of circumstances. He panicked. He, he, panicked. he, missed, yeah, he, he misjudged, he misjudged the bounce, and, yeah. and then he's yeah. in. It's so fast, but his instinct is that ball's not going past me, and the only way it's not going past him is with a is with the arm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. But, it's, a, it's a freak one, though. It won't, you know, it, that will not happen again. You know, I know probably I to know. any Premier League. The tragedy, I know, but the tragedy of Israel is for me is that <laughs> tragedy is I'm using that word, but. Um, Leno's having a brilliant season, right? He's having an absolutely brilliant season, much better. And I and I was definitely in the Martinez is a better bet than Leno camp. 
and I know, you know, and, and I feel I was wrong about that. I, I would say that now after the season that Leno's had, not only in terms of shot stopping, I think his shot stopping has been absolutely extraordinary and, and is up there with any other keeper in, in the league. But his, um, his passing out from the back and his um, organisation of the defence feels like a complete transformation from like a, even a year ago when I think, you know, he, we'd often panic in um, when we're playing out from the back. And now I feel we're very, very, I feel very certain and very safe without playing out from the back. I never feel particularly. And yet he did that. He did that tonight, which, which is such a, I, mean, I, know, I think we would have lost anyway, but it was such a burst of, of, of insanity. And I also think to be really harsh on him is he, I kind of blame him for that, for us not just being safe in the first half with those two minutes of injury time. I don't know what, you know, he just could have kept hold of the ball, but, you know, passed it very, just, I just think it, that goal, their goal actually came from him, not just looking after the ball for another literally five seconds, waiting for the, the referee to blow the fucking whistle. So, I mean, poor guy, he's had an amazing season. He's brilliant. I'm absolutely, you know, he's completely won me over, but what a night for him. What a night for him and Louise. What a night for... For, and and I I agree with you, Josh. That because the transformation from those, that in that period when we had the terrible run, when we could barely get the ball, advance the ball up the pitch, like that was our problem, wasn't it? And the transformation, which uh, just to re-emphasize, has to be is so much down to Emil Smith throw and Saka being put wider and further up the pitch is incredible. We're now in, in as you say as we were saying in the first half, we were just marauding up the pitch. Uh, you know, every single time we got the ball and it was fantastic to see. So, yeah, I mean, I, I'm clinging to the fact that we, if, if we carry, if we somehow put this mental blow, this massive mental blow, if we deal with it properly, then yeah, we should. We should. It is a massive sort of game to have next, isn't it? I mean, yeah. Villa away, Villa yeah. are a yeah. good team. You might remember they pretty much picked us apart in, yeah. the, in the alternative game. They've got some great players there. You go in without Leno, who clearly, you know, is a very strong goalkeeper to a very weak goalkeeper. But awful, I think it's going to be a very big test of Arsenal's resilience and attitude, the, yeah. the, the bounce back or not. Because to, to lose at Villa and you're suddenly really scrambling around again, really scrambling for that seventh place, aren't you? Yeah, and they've got three games in hand over us, so it's an you know it's both an opportunity for us. If if we won tonight, you know, if we won tonight, which we absolutely, as, I, as I'm going to never going to stop saying, we we would have done if we just not kept play, played out that those final seconds of the first half. If we won tonight, then the fact that they've got three games in hand and then we can beat them with our momentum at the weekend would have been brilliant because 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 you know we could be getting too bogged down in this table. Yeah, everyone is so congested. Um, I know, no, we I have know. To, we we go back shame, seven, eight games. It's a terrible shame because the momentum have been, you know, so brilliant. We, we, we've spoken about it. We were in title winning form, even with the draw against Manchester United. We were, you know, in, in a, a brilliant shape, really. And, you know, a draw against United, who are, you know, up towards the top of the table is a, is, is a very solid, credible result. And, and actually a draw was the fair result in that game. So it feels like a, a big step backwards. But, you know, if we just sort of, possibly pause and think about when you know it's literally that period I think Tim came on the podcast before the Chelsea game and that and that was the turning point and since then you, you have to argue we've we've been in a in a great position and would have probably you know I know we might well find ourselves 12th pretty soon again but we will be in a 
much healthier state in terms of points to the yeah. to the teams around us. So, by the way, know, by the way, um, it's upsetting. Southampton have just had a place sitting off after one and a half minutes of their game against Man United. A wow. straight red. It's that so, kind I mean, of night. It's, it's a all happening. Night. It is all happening tonight. I mean, because there are right. actually a lot less red cards this season apart yeah. from Arsenal, who have got more than the whole league added together yeah. or something. Yeah. Well, did you see the stat off. that? We we've had a uh, three times the amount I think it is, isn't it? Than than like anyone else um, during <laughs> Arteta's period, um, you know, at the club. I think we've had nine sending offs. I think it is during this period of Arteta, and that uh, most any other club has had in the same period is is three. So that that is extraordinary. That, mm. that is that is like I mean, oh, most of them Louise. About <laughs> most of them are Louise as well. I mean, say what you like about. Three, uh, do you know what tonight? Tonight. I, uh, up until I watched the super slow mo replay of it, I did think, oh, this is you know, you pick Louise, you play Louise. Louise is going to do what he does, which is which is fuck things up. But I, I feel sorry for him tonight. I do feel sorry for him. I think I don't think that was like. I just think I know, and I'm not. I can't bang on about it much more. But I just, I, I just feel like he wasn't even trying to do anything <laughs> at all. Let, you know, and got sent off for it. It seems, it seems so harsh. Um, well, it was it was the tiniest, the tiniest yeah, clip yeah. of when you, it looked like the body. I, it, but I'm not even calling it a clip. Away. The tiniest no, bit of contact. I mean, the, but the problem was, I know I think I that's know. one that one of them that if it, if it wasn't given, I don't think it gets overturned necessarily. And yeah, yeah. But what I mean is, it doesn't feel like like Peter Walton on on BT who was asked about, it, and he very interestingly, I thought, had a go at Louise for not learning. For, from his previous errors and being sent off before for pretty much the same thing, which I think is interesting because aren't referees not supposed to think about that kind of thing? I mean, I know he's not actually a referee on the pitch anymore, but I thought that was fascinating that, you know, he's thinking about Louise's reputation and previous errors and previous sendings off. And I'm like, I don't think this one was like that, though. The previous ones, I think, were moments of utter stupidity. Tonight, this felt very unlucky, I think, for him without wanting to... What do we like, On the positive, Pepe's goal was, was incredible, wasn't it? I mean, just in terms of his he's got a right foot. He's got a right foot. He can play on that side. And again, huge credit to Arteta um, for putting him on that side, Saka on the other side. That works, that works so well. And and just I just think Pepe's attitude, I think he often looks... I was thinking about this tonight because when he scored that goal, which took skill, determination, technique... Some contributors to this podcast still maintain there's something wrong with, with his technique. I've always thought everything everything wrong with Pepe is mental for me. Uh, you know, he looks, he's very, very easily frustrated. And even tonight, like, after he scored that guy, there's, a kind, there's a, something slightly goofy about his, his, his facial expressions almost, which don't help contribute to him feeling like a smooth flowing freely attacking footballer worth 72 million pounds you know what I mean so even after that extraordinary goal tonight which you know was the work I'm not saying that pays off the 17 million but you know it's it was I thought it was fantastic in every sense the final shot brilliant um you almost think he's, he's still a bit there's something still something quite odd about him um, he's tall and lanky. The whole thing, I think, is partly why he gets so much criticism. When actually, statistically, you know, he's contributed a hell of a lot. Even, even, you know, even before this better spell that he's in now. Do you think I'm overly, uh, overly um, uh, uh, complimentary? No, I think you're being fair. I think one of the challenges with Pepe is going to be he's not terrible. He's not brilliant. He has a focus problem. And imposing himself on games. 
you know, I guess he's still at the stage where he could really step up and impose in enough games. You know, my fear is he's going to end up in that one game you think he's worth the next game, then the next game you think he shouldn't be anymore. Do you know what I mean? And and you're almost not ruthless about it. I suspect that, you know, that Pepe probably ends up being a really important member of a sort of Arsenal first 18, Mm. but I'm not convinced that, you know, that you are sort of Champions League competing with him playing most of the games. But he's certainly not a terrible player and you've correctly, I think, picked up the good points of Mm. him. But I think... Interesting that he's, he's he's had a little run. He's had a nice little run, and you know, and he, interestingly, he stayed in the team tonight, even with Aubameyang available and Martinelli available. Um, and I actually think we look worse when I mean, before we went down to nine men in the period when we were ten men, when um, Aubameyang came on, I, I thought, what did you think of the decision to take Lacazette off for a start and and then to bring Aubameyang on? And I don't know. I felt the substitutions didn't help. I mean, if I'm being I think really... some of that could just be about legs, about you yeah. know the, the amount of games that have been played by Lacazette recently, and yeah. wanting to in, in, inject some freshness. Yeah, uh, Josh Emil Smith Rowe picked again, getting an incredible amount of game time. He is getting a lot of game time, and he, he deserves it. And it, again, was you know was one of the you know good performers in, in that first half, and in the second half, we you know slowly had less and less of the ball in it, and it became difficult, but. Um, yeah, yeah, you, you 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 can't knock him, and you expect him to be in that side, and uh, you know, no no Willian. Um, was Willian even on the bench? I don't think he was, was he? Which I feel is a, is a good thing. <laughs> I never recall seeing him mentioned or no. picture, yeah. but I didn't sort of look at the bench team. No, um, I I will check that he uh, he was on the bench. Um, oh, was he? So you weren't weren't paying correct attention to your substitutes tonight. Oh yeah, he was on the bench, uh, boy. But I, yeah, I mean, which is very rare. I mean, we, we haven't seen him on the on the bench or in a matchday squad and not play some part in the game. But I guess the sort of substitutions that that were forced, you know, upon the team, like at halftime, you know, needed to bring on a centre back. I also would have been tempted to to, to leave Lacazette, you know, if you actually yeah. look at where our goals have come from. Yeah. Um, but then, you know. Pepe and what about, just there was, scored a blinder and he probably wanted to yeah. you know, leave Smith Rowe and Saka on the pitch. So Yeah. Um there was just by the end of the game when um I think Martin Kean was 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 going on about and I, I kind of agree with him that we we I mean I think they were just shell shocked, weren't they? Once once Leno got sent off, you can understand them being shell shocked. Even even, you know, even even those players getting it's a challenge to, to to kind of play normal football and think think tactically when you're down to nine men, but it did feel like they weren't. That they, they, I think they had opportunities, you know, to 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 go forward, which they weren't really taking. And then that weird final chance, that free kick where where he sent Renarsson, the goalkeeper, up to take the free kick, and he didn't even know what the fuck he was supposed to do. It was like, what, <laughs> no, that was quite that was, was quite funny. But on the other hand, he put in an okay delivery into actually yeah, yeah, he thrown a circle around the, the yeah. area of the penalty area you want it. He, he did put it um, exactly, uh, you know, in the right area. And look, when you've got that few bodies, you've only got nine people on the pitch, I guess, I don't yeah. know, maybe Renarsson hasn't impressed in his heading in, in training and therefore there's no point sending him up um, to be in the box. But yeah, I, you did think, you know, you've got one chance here to get something from the game. Do you, do you stick, you know, someone with a you know brilliant delivery, Smith Rowe on it or, it was or, um, it or was Saka? I, yeah, you know, I don't know. I do think though, I mean, Martin, I think, was, was making the point, wasn't he, that we felt particularly deep and could, could we just try and yeah. push up? But I think they were yeah. clearly being instructed to just 
Yeah, because 11 on 9, it doesn't matter if it was Sheffield United or, or West Brom 11 on 9 against us. You, you'd expect them to pick you off. So, you know, the chance we had was really the ball down to Bellerin, Bellerin coming in the area, yeah. putting it back to Aubameyang. And then, you know, not only Aubameyang had an opportunity, but but so too Saka and they were just blocked. Um, I mean, it would have been extraordinary. I don't know what the stats are on um, teams coming back with two man's deficits in the Premier League to, to get anything from games. I imagine it's... Pretty, it's extremely far between. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Keon was quite funny tonight because um, when he was asked whether he had ever played as a nine-man team, and he said well, he probably he, he didn't know if he had, but he'd probably left the rest of them to his players his, his players to play diamond after he got sent off, which I'm sure, which of course did happen. Um, I think Mark, he was saying, didn't, didn't he? Yeah, refer against to Spurs, it, him and him and Freddie, I think. Uh, yeah. Um, you know, went off and tried. I mean, that must have been about what ninety. What do you reckon? Ninety nine was that that game? I think. I think I was trying. Yeah. I was trying to remember it. Um, yeah, I think the um, late nineteen ninety nine. So it does happen. And actually, I was just in one of my Arsenal WhatsApp groups. I, we had memories of uh, being on an away trip in in PSV in in two thousand and four, um, where a couple of our players, definitely Loren, was one of them. I remember. Had, had, and we, but we did hold on for a point that night. So we were. We were just trying to draw on the uh, um, analogy of, uh, of when we'd managed to get something from a game with nine men. So it's happened, but it's uh, pretty uh, pretty rare. Mm. But, um, you know, just going back to David Luiz for a second, Boyd, I mean, w- was he man of the match officially on Sunday? Obviously not yeah. tonight. Yeah, um, he was. Saturday, yeah. sorry. Yeah, he was man of the match on Saturday yeah. um, and gave a, uh, gave a really good interview, post-match interview, I thought. Um, he's very engaging and um, eloquent. Speaks better English than a lot of our um, of our um, homegrown players, and um, I thought he was brilliant. And I think it, it, that showed um, his his kind of interview and performance. I thought he was very good. Um, showed I think why he's so so liked, so well liked in the club. Because there's always this thing about him, isn't there, that people say, "Oh, he's really admired by the young players, and he's he's really popular in the dressing room." And yet, you know, obviously he has a very he has a checkered record when it comes to being sent off and making calamitous mistakes. But you could sense in that interview when he was really, I thought it was he was great. It was just a refreshingly kind of um, interesting and intelligent guy. And then tonight happens and you think, fucking hell, poor guy. So that's, again, that is partly why I feel sorry for him again, because I think he's deserved his place in the team in the last few weeks, hasn't he? Um, uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of on board with Louise. Even after tonight, I'm not, I'm not blaming. I wonder what, it'd be interesting to see what Arteta says, because we, well, we haven't had a chance to see his post-match interview. Have you seen any reports yet of what he's said? No, I will, I will get some gross for us. I mean, there were, there were people being unkind on Twitter saying it was a David Luiz tribute to Mustafi and celebrating yes, his exit. It's, uh, yeah. That's what we're talking But you look at, I mean, look at the centre-back options that we have put um, out of a club or at some point this season or, or don't have available. Um, then you have to think that David Luiz was very much at the forefront of our Teta's plans to, to see out the season, probably alongside Rob Holding, you know, uh, ahead of Gabrielle, and then you're just wondering what quite what the situation with uh, Tierney is going to be when he's available again, and whether they sort of reconsider Tierney being the left side of a of a mm. three. Mm. I'm also interested as well, um, uh, Tim. Whether on the weekend, do does he does he bring Aubameyang back in straight away to start? When I think I'm slightly tempted to think that we look maybe better with Lacazette and in, in the Lacazette kind of um, sucker. Pepe or Martinelli with the Mill Smith row there looks slightly better. I don't know. 
Would you no, I think, I think it's a very fair question. And I actually thought when, you know, obviously personal issues meant Aubameyang wasn't around, but I kind of thought at the time, well, I'm not sure you're in the first 11 anyway, because the mm. form of Lacazette and the, and, and the way they played, although clearly, you know, if you've got Lacazette on form and Aubameyang plays in that position on the left, it works really well. But I think you raise a good point. And I did wonder if Lacazette, came off today partly to protect his legs because he's oh, the guy that starts at the at the weekend. Yeah. And in this sort of resurgence that Arsenal have had, which you can always debate how much is that managerial brilliance and how much was it luck that he tried everything else. He was sticking with the older pros and, and the youngsters rescued him. But we've got to forget that within all of this, you know, Lacazette has been at the absolute forefront of the charge, hasn't he? Oh, God, yeah. His, his, form has, his form has come back and his hard work. And, you know, I think we immediately kind of, you know, Saka and Smith row we, because they're young and they're new. But I think that um, Lacazette has been just as much part of the last eight games and, and what's happened. So it's a nice problem to have. Yeah. And yeah. we do, you know, is. Are we always like this, or is it because we're kind of watching at home, so we're 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 venting even more in the forms? But the way we swing at the moment, you know, between you know, only Martinelli is going to save this football club. You know, Lacazette must play. Where's Aubameyang as captain? <laughs> I've never seen such almost violent swings in how we feel about it all in the same season, and I'm not quite sure whether the violent swings are actually happening to players' form on the pitch mm. because of the slightly different circumstances, the game's concertinaed, no crowd, certain impact, or whether it's just the way we're interpreting it. I haven't yeah, quite worked that a, one out yet. That's but. a good point. Yeah. I think, I think it does feel transformative that, you know, Lacazette, Emil Smith-Rowe, well, I'll, I'll, I'll give you an example of another swing that was far too extreme. This swing that went um, about the goalkeepers, because you know, yeah. in many ways, what everything you said about Leno, I agree with. What I couldn't quite gather was, you know, this idea that you know, when Martinez was having those good games that coincided with some good games for us, one of the things that was projected onto them was that Leno was rubbish. In reality, no. we we had no, but you know oh, what right. I mean. But yeah. in reality, we had two very very yeah. good goalkeepers, and we were blessed. And arguably, oh. we we got stuck in that situation where our backup goalkeeper was too good to be a backup anymore. And I think yeah. in, in, in the modern game, it's really difficult. And, and now we've got the other extreme. Well, maybe they filled it um, with Matt Tate from Brighton, where we went from one extreme to the other with the backup goalkeeper and we got the kid that won the competition. Uh-huh. Yeah, I know. Well, my, my only thing about Leno versus Martinez was I, I just felt Martinez had shown himself in his admittedly smaller, um, smaller number of games that I thought he was just better on the ball and as good more as. Presence, yeah, more but now, right. But now I feel that's not. I feel Leno is sort of that. Anyway, we'll we'll take a break and after the break, I want to talk about. I want to talk a li- touch a little bit on the on the Man United games. I have to, I have to ask whether um, you know if William hadn't have got that chance to score in the second half and it fallen into. Any other player in the world, we could have won that game. And B, to talk about our transfer window and uh, all the, because it's been quite a busy time. Um, We'll talk all about that after this break. If you want an e bike that doesn't look like it's made for the shopping precinct, something that's less Mr. Bean. I'm more Steve McQueen. 
check out the range of bikes from London-based Cooler King. From dope 250-watt city bikes to Harley Bobber-inspired 750-watt beasts that can tear your face off while leaving your smile intact. Cooler Kings are made in limited numbers, yet highly affordable. Check them out now on the web at cooler.bike or find them on Instagram with hashtag CoolerKingBike. Cooler.bike. E-bikes that are cool AF. And we're back from the break. Josh, your finger is up. No, just a couple of quotes here from uh, our boss, Mikel Arteta. Oh, yeah, bring it on. Interesting. On the David Luiz red card, he said, I've just seen the replay 10 times, five different angles. I cannot see any contact. Yeah, there is that. I, I, I actually said in our WhatsApp group, I couldn't see any contact. And that the angle's not, it's quite weird because it's, it's so imperceptible. I mean, it's, it's imperceptible. Well, I tell, there is something here that a lot of the old pros, and again, you shouldn't, referee on this but we'll tell you which is players transmit their guilt or not mm. and i mean louise acted like a player that had given away a penalty yeah dan said that in a WhatsApp group, sent, yeah. and expected yeah. to be sent off i know and i think in a way go with their gut you know the gut instinct of the player so i think that he anyway i just I, read I, yeah. into it that louise acted like he touched him and actually acted i agree like he got to get it wasn't one of them where you see, you know, immediate waving away, you know, telling the player to get up and that he's taken a dive. He he got the slightest touch and it looks like he just connects a bit of boot on knee and and that's that. Do you want me to go move on with yeah. some also? Quotes? Why did the player go down? Oh, sorry, you should keep going through the quotes. No, you're you're, you're right. Like he, he would have scored. He goes down very theatrically when he does go down, but you know at that point you. I just think he slightly he stumbles anyway, even without the contact. He slightly he seems mm. to stumble from from the force of his right. own momentum. Carry on. Here's our tester on our, our goalkeeper. Um, I imagine he, Leno, makes a decision a split of a second, naturally tries to stop the ball. There's nothing he can do. Uh, the way we lost the game really hurts. It's painful. It's hard enough to win football games in the league. The big decisions are like that. There's nothing we can change at the moment. And talking about Matt Ryan, he said he had a muscular issue in the last two days, hasn't been able to train. Hopefully we can get him back in the next couple of days. So I hope that he could be there on the uh, weekend. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. I mean, fair enough. I think he made the decision that Matt Ryan was a number two. So I guess Renarsson knows that. I mean, the chances of Renarsson getting any Premier League minutes as of deadline day, he must have been so small. He looked shocked and bewildered. He looked shocked and bewildered when he came on. I mean, he did make that save quite quickly, which was great. Um, But he, and then when he was forced to take the free kick and looked even more shocked and bewildered. I did feel sorry for him. I feel sorry for everyone tonight. I feel sorry for myself, most of all. But, um, Why? Because it was so, it's so depressing. I find I'm so depressed. I was really, they were really brightening my lockdown. Um, frankly, you know, every I was looking, I've look, been looking forward to every Arsenal game now with a spring in my step, you know, and, and a yeah, and because we're playing well. It just all it takes is for your team to play attractive football and to win games. And yeah, we're on a great run. We had let, hardly we hadn't letting a goal all fucking year until tonight, and that and that that penalty. So and now it's fucking ruined it with with a truly a night of gargantuan bad luck i think and i think we've had bad luck all season after i'm, I don't, I'm not one of those people that's conspiracy theories about referees but i do think we've had lots of i feel like we've had lots of situations where 
VAR hasn't really properly examined the decisions as they sometimes do with other situations. And sometimes, you know, penalties have been given against us and we haven't got penalties. And VAR is just like, ah, we'll deal with that in about 10 seconds. It just goes away. Anyway, I don't want to bang on about it. More generally, but that's, it, it, just to mention quickly the Man United game, I mean, obviously I was furious that um, William came on the second half, but he wasn't terrible. <laughs> I'll no. say that for him. He wasn't terrible. That might have been his best half of football since the first game, you know. But he should have fucking scored that goal, didn't he? There was a brilliant description of it in, I think, the Guardian report, which said it was like he'd forgotten that scoring goals was part of the things in football he was supposed to be able to do. And he just kind of froze and tried to control the ball and then fluffed it massively. And I just think he took Martinelli off, didn't he? For, and I, I presume that was because Martinelli is young and he needs, you know, he's going to be easily tired. But, oh my God, I just think if that had fallen to any other player, we could he would we would have been one up and won that game. I think, I think you're probably, uh, you know, you, you're right, right? William, that was not the, the strike of someone that goes, give me the chance, but I, I, yeah. I want it. I tell you, it was, it was like a, one of them where you just like, I'll, I'll try and get it on target and see, you know, hope, hope for the best. But you can understand why he's so low on confidence. Like he is the one at the moment. There's always someone with Arsenal fans, isn't there? Whether it's Jovino, yeah. there's always someone who's like, you know, the unpopular <laughs> kid. Yeah, but how does he and, know? And it's him. I'm sure he knows. Like, he must realise yeah. he's barely done it. Has he made an assist since the opening day? Like, oh, he hasn't but that's scored. You, just, you were just citing, if you Okay, like. you're right, crowd influence. Yeah. I, and, and I, I can't believe he's totally oblivious. Uh, uh, okay, uh, I, a fair point. I tell you, point, there's not in the stadium. If a tree stadiums. falls in the woods and no one's there to see it fall, does it fall? Um... I don't uh, think uh, Jim be... asking the big questions tonight. <laughs> well, he, there's no question no, he looks I, like a player with less confidence. Whether no, he would I, be even worse if he had Arsenal fans in the stadium or, probably booing or tatting, it or probably could it be would the other be way worse. Round? Could it be that he can't get up for it because there's no fans there to get behind him? Could be. Oh, I also think, do you know what my theory is, just for what it's worth, I think that he is aware. You, he, he knows, doesn't he, that he's now been dropped from the first team, effectively. Yeah, it's a good in clue. In favour of a very young, uh, you know... And how many players player. have been shipped out and he's still on the bench? Oh, yeah, like, players... Exactly. He's a, he know, you know, don't you? And I think mentally what that means is... I think mentally but what that Josh means is... Josh was warming himself up for the... It's all those horrible Arsenal fans that can't get behind everyone kind of lecture. And there's, you know... <laughs> what just when you... <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm just You're reading his mind there. No, I'm saying... I'm you're, reading I agree 10, with years, you, Boyd. 10 years of precedent. <laughs> yeah. Boyd, you're, you're absolutely right. You, you want that to almost fall to... to Anyone, anyone, I mean, literally, I mean, even Cedric on his left foot, uh, possibly, which uh, which doesn't Hector Bellerin. Scored. I, I am. I'm, I'm just looking. I, oh, he got he got an assist um, in the home game against Wolves. But other than that, I mean, it is just the the, the opening day. So, you know, that's it. And as for goals, I mean, could, could you have believed that we would be in February and William well, wouldn't have scored a goal? I mean, come on. What What is interesting here, and if I do a little bit of a of a segue here, is now that we've had this kind of successful transfer window in moving on the very expensive Deadwood. But poor old Willian moves centre stage for that debate, doesn't he? Because the others have been paid off. And what's fascinating about all of this is is the government have done it for us or helped us out because they've given us 120 million 
and we've used a big chunk of it to pay off for players that Arteta didn't want in his squad and he now no longer has to have hanging around London Colney. Yeah, I mean, it's true. Yeah, it's a good But William, William is now going to take that place of the, oh my God, I can't believe we're paying him 250k a week and look what we're getting. Yeah, he is. Which he was sort of getting anyway, but you know what I mean? He absolutely like, you know, he takes the gold, silver and bronze for that now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's almost more frustrating than the Urza situation, just as the Urza situation is finally resolved. And... Let's face it, quite surprisingly in this transfer window, because I think a lot of us weren't expecting that to happen until the summer at least. That's resolved. We've got rid of Mustafi, extraordinarily. You know, we're having a real... I think, you know, in terms of the clearing out the dead wood... Um, well, we're paying uh, them to go. Yeah, well, fair enough. But, you know, you have sometimes you have to, don't you? Um, yeah. So he's paring but, down the squad. He's lent, it's putting lots of players out on loan. We've got Odegaard in. You know, very excited about that, in theory. In theory, we'll see, we'll see. But, you know, very exciting. And... Yet we've got another worse than Herzl situation with William because we are paying him a phenomenal amount of money every week and no one wants him anywhere near the first team, do they? So, I, I mean, I think with a big club rolling the dice like they do, you kind of always got to expect to have one like yeah, that. Yeah. What you don't want is four or five. And, of course, we're so yeah. scarred from recent years. You know, if you've only got one, then it's not, too bad you know out of a wage yeah. bill of 250 million if you're running one like that but yeah the scars sort of run deep and it yeah. wasn't extraordinary contract to give no i know and in fact if you look at it most teams have a, have at least one or two players like that i mean i look watched that spurs game of the weekend and i mean you know i was feeling very superior to spurs until you know half an hour ago um but that gareth bale i mean you know there's a whole situation with him not being picked and um did you see that in the, in the coverage on sky graham soonest had this really weird thing where he advised him to talk to the media gareth bale and complain publicly about being yeah. snubbed by jose Mourinho, and everyone else was like what are you talking about you <laughs> crazy man jose we read that was like what we can't do that and then he played from the start and was awful absolutely shockingly awful i mean willian-esque in a way and he's supposed to be one of the best players in the world so i was thinking you know yeah i mean it's, it, these things do happen players do just mysteriously enigmatically lose it don't they and you know and i but think Williams one of them but where it's been such an interesting transfer window is it's seen as transformational yeah but actually, that's because of contracts, not because of who plays on the pitch, which yep. is a really interesting psyche into a modern football club. Because Ozil hadn't played a game this season. Socrates hadn't played a game this season. So at one level, it makes absolutely no difference mm. or not whether they're there because they've not been picked. But you get this interesting situation, which he couldn't, he couldn't stop them coming into London Colney. <laughs> yeah. Because if he did that, it would in effect be breach of their contract and they could sue for sort of discrimination or unfair dismissal and get their contracts paid up or maybe more. And Arsenal, because of the pandemic, didn't want to run that risk because they couldn't have afforded to pay them because they literally are like, you know, paying out what comes in at the moment. So they then took the decision to borrow 120 million from the Bank of England. It's a six month loan. That 120 million is allowed to be used on salaries, and I think they can just about claim that what they, in effect, what they've done is paid those players their salaries up to June to go away in advance. But they used the cash advance to do it. But it removes. I got in trouble for saying this online, but it removes the poison from London Colney. 
Yeah, I agree. I don't know why you go into trouble for that. That's a, that's a completely uncontroversial um, statement, I think. Yeah, uh, 100%. But, well, because I think there are people out there that the idea that you describe Meza Ozil as being oh. a poison is... Well, I made my feelings like, clear about that clearly, last week. It clearly helps because it, yeah. for better or worse, and I think most sensible observers feel that it was absolutely the right thing to do, but it has drawn a line hasn't it it means he no longer gets asked about him in press conferences it means he no longer gets told you should be picking him and it's a sort of it's a message about who's in charge and who's going to win all of that and I feel you do feel a little bit of a spring in Arsenal step which is a little bit like the youngsters being given their way and the older pros being cleared out and we're not having you anymore yeah definitely and I think tonight yeah, I, I mean, I want to see the Arteta interview before, but I, I think he's just got to say to them, you know, you, you just ignore this fucking freak of a night and just carry yeah. on as you were because you're doing really well. Until so Josh, the one in, in terms of the transfer window, the one I think, I think I completely um, understood all of the moves, really. Saliba, Willock going out on loan, Mustafi, I mean, incredible that someone took him. I mean, even on loan, Schalke, after they set one of theirs to Liverpool, etc. It all worked out. We, 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 there we, was that brief we, period where Liverpool were actually linked with um, Mustafi, which was extraordinary um, no, Jürgen Klopp's German don't I know I know but, <laughs> but the one but I think the one one for me that feels slightly is Ailey Maitland Niles to yeah. West Brom don't you think what do you think of that yeah I think it is and you, you look at Cedric who has been okay in this recent period but I mean what a fall from grace uh, Maitland Niles you know back on August was it August 1st the FA Cup final yeah. Not only part of a squad, but like entrusted to start an FA Cup final, Mikel Arteta's biggest game that he's managed for Arsenal so far, and put in a great performance. And then we're back there for the Charity Shield, and again, Maitland is involved in a nonchalant penalty. And, you know, then he's in a period where he's getting called up to the um, to the England squad, and, you know, and, and it looked like on merit. But then he's just had this extraordinary period of, of non involvement and, and looking like, you know, that the manager didn't want to play him and I, I don't know I wonder because obviously I mean, he must have had um, you know options of of where he was going to go in this January transfer window and there was talks about you know a few different clubs I think Southampton w- was one that was mentioned I just wonder if if West Brom you know and, and Big Sam have promised him a bit of game time not only game time but game time in midfield because we've always had this in the background with him about the interviews of, of wanting to play in centre midfield and of yeah. course being proud to play anywhere for Arsenal, but seeing himself as a you know combative central midfielder. And I wonder if that's the opportunity. Maybe Southampton were talking to him about, you know, being involved but you know in a wing back position and, and that's why he's gone to West Brom because I mean, they're going down. I mean, even, you know, regardless of losing at Sheffield United tonight, they they have a ridiculous opportunity. So just losing 14 of the next 18 games or whatever miserable experience I suspect he might have under Big Sam. I I don't see how that's going to pull him into England recognition for the summer. But he really, I mean, you know what? It was just weird with Maitland-Niles, wasn't it? Because I think, you know, he started, he played the 90 minutes on the opening game against Fulham. He got left out against West Ham, but then he was back again at Liverpool away. And when we started that game, okay, he started okay. Then it was just nothing for months. And then we had that period where we played Southampton and Everton. He was back in the team. And then since then, barely, barely nothing. So I just think Arteta's, it's not, not worked for him. Um, and maybe the player does think he's good enough for an England call-up. But I, I don't know if playing in midfield for a relegation-bound West Brom is the answer. What do you think, Tim? But, but, well, I think, anyway, I admire him. 
Because wouldn't it be the easier option in some ways to to be in Arsenal's second eleven, pick up your good wages and and sort of wait and see? And he's not getting picked in the in the first eleven, and I don't think many of us would expect him to be, particularly with the formation we're kind of settling on now, which I think party slightly drives, and obviously with Tierney and Bellerin playing so well. So I say I'm quite pleased in a way that he's pushed for that. And it wasn't that he let anyone down or didn't play well, was it? He never got his chance this season. It wasn't that he he was like William, that he played a few games yeah. and you were like, yeah. oh my God. Yeah. And there oh, was a great definitely. player in there. As I understand it, and this is interesting, you know, his first choice was Leicester and Arsenal went, you're not going to a rival. Yeah. So Leic- yeah. Leicester well, you can got... understand that. Yeah, and you can understand it because, you know, I think, you know, probably they're a little bit too good, but we are competing with Leicester for a Europa League place this year. Definitely, yep. mm. um, so yeah. So that makes it, sense, it, yeah. It, it makes sense. And I think that, you know, Southampton or West Brom, it's so marginal, isn't it? Because he's not going there. It's not going to worry him long term whether West Brom stay up. It's does he get 15 games of football and a chance to, you know, keep developing as a Premier League player? And it won't do Arsenal any harm because mm. if he does well in these games, he'll either come back renewed for the Arsenal team or he'll increase his value for a transfer. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, we should, uh, we should, the, re- no, I mean, no, the rest no, of them. On, on incomings, though. Yeah. So, I mean, I always thought this transfer window for me, there was one vital thing, which was bringing a goalkeeper. Because, you know, yeah. my worry wasn't that Leno was going to do a bizarre handball, <laughs> you know, in a way. It was that he would do his knee again like he did at Brighton last year and you need someone for 12 games and the kid that won the competition, can you imagine? So they did mm. that quick, you know, and clearly, I reckon they were probably looking from the first day they saw Renison in training, you know, so they've obviously had plenty of time. And then we've got to have, fingers crossed, third time lucky, but a midfield misfit. <laughs> from you know, from the big, one of the big Spanish clubs, it's going to pay off. And you know, maybe I'm a bit jaundiced on this, but I've seen two others get hyped. I believe this one when I see it. Yeah, my I think I said last week about Odegaard that um, I think it just makes. I think when you when you were faced with a bit of a conundrum, which was well, we obviously needed a creative player in midfield in our attack. Until about a month ago, when Ainsley Maitland-Niles became that option, so after that, you still want to add to the creativity, don't you, in in the yeah. team? But you don't want to kill Ainsley Maitland-Niles, and so getting a player on loan who is, in theory, really skillful, one of the most skillful. I mean, I watched Sid Lowe. Sid Lowe, you know, the Guardian Spanish football expert, yeah. who's brilliant, and he was like, at one point, he said, at one point, about eighteen months ago, he was the best player in Europe. The best player in Europe in terms of what what he was coming up with in the Spanish league in his skill and his you know and all of that. So, I it's mean, difficult, isn't it? Oh, boys, yeah, we don't to throw could, him in. Of course, it's difficult to throw him in. But I'm imagining that you know he will get some game time, certainly as a substitute. You know, in certain situations, and um, and it also makes it, it does mean I think I mean I think resting Ainsley Maitland-Niles at the moment, not Ainsley, sorry, Emil Smith Rowe at the moment. I'm getting our triple named players mixed up. Resting Emil Smith Rowe it seems completely inconceivable because he's so good and he's so good at knitting together those attacks and he's so positive. But equally, you know, he could get injured. He doesn't. He might need a rest. Europa League's coming soon, and well, so maybe we don't know. Yeah, all right, that's true. Uh, <laughs> but, well, that that could be quite a big thing for us, you know. Oh, if, you yeah. for, if you aim for shift back to a one-legged match, that would be quite a big win. 
Oh, I agree. Well, agree. Yeah. As long as you get through, because you, you always fear in a one off cup tie, the underdog that, you know, has a bigger opportunity. So that's a bit of a concern, but I, I'm sure the appeal of losing a, a fixture will, will, you know, will please. It's a massive, idea of I just looked, oh. it's, a, it's a massive Feb, February coming now because it's, it's Villa away with these couple, you know, couple of key players missing. Then you get back to back Benfica, which if they do go ahead, you have to travel for both of them. I'd imagine, well, yeah, well, you definitely do because they're not allowed in the country. There's no debate. Mm. And then you've got Leeds and Manchester City. Yeah. Yeah, we've got a big gap there. We've got a week off, haven't we, after the um, after the next game, after the Villa game, which is slightly yeah, what, annoying. What, why does that week happen? Is that the yeah. FA Cup we're knocked out of? It must be. It must be. Yeah, it's deeply irritating, isn't it? Because really, we need get we need we then got a massive lot of games after having an, a needless eight. We've got actually yeah. eight days off after the um, Villa game on Saturday, which is the twelfth well, kickoff. It's all a bit unfortunate. I do um, think it's very interesting. Like you know, can you can you do a run in the Europa League up to the final? And make a decent charge for a European place in the Premier League. Yeah, I think in theory you can. Well, I, I thought to, I meant to ask you, Tim, right, right, you know, ages ago, because we had a big debate about this last week, where you stood on the should he have played his, you know, a better team, or should he have done something different in the FA Cup, um, or do you think the priority should have been that second game against Southampton League, which we did play really well in and win? Was he, in well, other words, was he justified by that win against Southampton in the league? I, I wouldn't say justified because I think that you could have still done better, but I understand it. And I think, you know, in probability, your best chance of getting into Europe is the Premier League because you can come fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh. Yeah. So, you, so there's a lot less at risk to yeah. focus on, including the fact that he would still think he's aiming for Champions League. But in the Europa League, winning that obviously gives you Champions League. So in many ways, the FA Cup is your third hope, your final hope. So I can see why you might take a, a bit more of a risk on what you've picked. But now, with it having happened, the margins are quite tight, aren't they? Very they tight. They get yeah. tighter. Very tight, yeah. It's, all, it is, it's going to be... I mean, it's exciting. I mean, I, I, I've, I've cheered myself up by suddenly thinking, you know, all it takes is being... Like this game against Villa is now gigantic on Saturday because win that and, are getting, and we're so much more optimistic and, and I feel like you restore a huge amount of the belief... So we'll see. We've got the players to do it, haven't we? Let's let's turn to predictions then. Um, Josh, what do you reckon? Villa, Saturday, 12.30. Must win, but will we? So you're going to mention your uh, Ultra HD uh, BT Sport that you were uh, watching Ultra on. HD, yeah. All that. All of that. Really uh, hard with, to call. With, uh, really hard to inevitably... Keown, by the way, is, is co-commentator. He is doing it, game. Martin. I know he is doing Saturday. Oh, yeah. Well, there you go. And I noticed tonight, and once you noticed this, I tweeted about it. I'm giving you time to think of your prediction. Just I meant to mention this as well. Once you notice it, Keown's got this habit of almost every single thing he says in co-commentary, he ends with a rhetorical question, doesn't he? So he goes, yeah, Emil Smith-Rowe is just so good at knitting together those plays, isn't he? Did and, he? Uh, and <laughs> what, I don't know what, you know, the, Leno, the goldkeeper, well, made the terrible mistake, didn't he? 
conversational. It's conversational. I, I mean, like it. I'm it's a, not I'm offensive. I'm not offended. The other, thing is he, the other thing he does is he answers the question of, of the other commentator when yeah. often they're not really asking him a question. There's so many, there's so much rhetorical questioning going on with him and Ian Dark. It's extraordinary. And it's really funny. Once you notice it, you just can't stop. Anyway, nothing again. Well, I'm, no, a, lovely I'm a huge fan of, of course, uh, yeah, I'm of a course. huge fan yeah. and a real Arsenal man. And we, we're, um, we, um, what was I thinking about the other day? I was, uh, yeah, that, that Man United, um, you know, game with the uh, passion that was uh, came up on something I was doing work-wise and just watching those clips again of Van Nistelrooy, I think, ahead of the Arsenal-Man United game that was uh, this weekend made you think about um, quite the passion that was in those games. Anyway, I digest. Aston Villa away, I think we will get a point, one all. And we keep going and it will feel like we're still, that would be two points from nine and a massive sort of dent. But I think after, um, you know, after what's happened tonight, and I think we have to be respectful of Villa on, you know, having a great season, have got some very, very good players. I think if we take a point, it's it's not the worst result. Tim? Oh, I know it's boring, but I was going to say one all and I'll stick with it. I mean, Villa are a good team. They've impressed me. They've had quite a lot of rest recently. Does that mean they're rusty or... They're ready yeah. to come at us. Clearly, whoever plays in goal for us, that, that's quite an impact because it's not Leno. It's it's a it's a disruption to, yeah. to, to the unit. Um, and they've had a big night tonight, although, you know, they'll play as well. So I, I'm going to go for the draw at Villa. And then, you know, I actually think I'm, I'm, I'm encouraged with where Arsenal are, but then you look at Leeds and City. I think the reality is that we have the fight. We have the fight for sixth or seventh place this season and what I must look up is keep saying seventh place but UEFA are introducing you know they're introducing a league you, you won't be able to believe this but there's a league oh, lower yeah, than the UEFA yeah, league no. yeah. and yeah. possibly if you come seventh you now get put in that thing <laughs> yeah absolute nightmare yeah I, I'm going to be I'm going to just just to kind of lift myself out of this depression I'm in I'm going to get, I'm going to predict a victory a, a a, 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 an incredible, improbable victory against Villa. So um, I think I'm going to say 2-1 to us somehow. Josh, you're waving yeah. your iPhone in the air. What's, what's happening? No, I'm just wondering if you see what's going on at Old Trafford, it's extraordinary beating uh, Southampton. Uh, not, I'm, not, I'm not sure. It's certainly four at the moment, but I think there might be, uh, well, they had might a be more at, by the time They did have a player at Southampton. Yeah, I know. But, 90 uh, seconds, to be fair. Yeah, but so, still, still conceding a goal every 10 minutes is not a brilliant. I mean, imagine Southampton could be on for another another 9-0 at the, the rate yeah, it's yeah, going. Yeah. So Maitland-Niles yeah. Maitland might have made a terrific decision after all to, to head to West Brom. You never, yeah. you never know. Um, this season is fucking nuts, isn't it? I mean, I think we can all agree on that. Uh, that's my final. That's my final verdict. Final of this podcast. But it's been. Look, I, I, I'm glad we do these podcasts. It, it helps me get over these, def, you know, defeats yeah. quicker. And I think this doesn't feel quite as bad as as many of them had. And look, by the time we come back, um, hopefully we've got something something against Villa. But it, it is just a bit calmer, isn't it? It's been, you know, midweek, 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 and and now we've just got Saturday and then Sunday to look forward to. I think is that right? Yeah, yeah. How's baby uh, baby Smith Rowe? Uh, yeah, Baby Sathro is doing extremely well. Delighted to uh, to see uh, Namesake getting so much game time, which um, mm. her father thought might not happen I at know, one point six weeks ago. So um, it's my only you, you it's were... my only correct prediction of the season. So I'm clinging to it. Um, 
Thanks, Fair Tim. Play. Enjoy it. Thanks, Tim, for joining us Thanks. in the post-match. I thought, you know, yeah, as good value, if not better, than Rio Ferdinand and Peter Walton. <laughs> uh, <laughs> At least I understand the law book. Well, a bit. <laughs> yeah. More than, yeah, Rio's very confused and angry. Um, and thank you very much, Josh, as ever. And um, we'll be back, I guess we'll be back next Monday, I guess, after the, to, to give our verdict on whatever happens at Villa. Cheers. Bye. See you later. Bye. This is a Playback Media production. To listen to all our football podcasts, visit playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.